This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. These shows are brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, whose mission it is to help people find hope after loss. We hope that all of you out there will tell all your friends about the show because we really, uh, and about our website, because we really do count on word of mouth uh, to let people know that we're there for you to find hope. And we always say, Heidi and I, to lean on our hope till you find your own if you're really feeling pretty desperate out there. Well, good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Mom. We're into fall. Your kids are back in school, right? Yep. They started on September 6th, so they're both back in school, as are every all the kids in New York City. I was just going to say, how is that what? for you as a mom to have people back and, and you're working? And- uh, well, you know, I work full time and I'm very busy. So for me, um, it's actually easier, but my kids are still on the earth. So, you know, when they're at school, I know I'm going to see them when I get home from work at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock at night. Um, I think for people that have lost children, and Mom, you can speak to this better than I can, you know, the idea of of not seeing them, I think when you walk in the door, you just expect your kids to be there when you walk in the door. And when you've been working all day, your kids bring you right into the present, and it's such an amazing thing to have them. And, I mean, I think that's – I think sometimes when we leave our houses, I know when Scott died, when I left the house, I almost would forget that he, I would try to forget or be in denial that he wasn't around. And when I opened the door, I almost expected to see him. And this went on for a very long time. Yeah, and, and it was almost I, like yeah. a slap in the face when he wasn't there. And I think uh, people going off to college and, and going back into a situation where they don't know, uh, people didn't know that they'd lost a loved one, a parent or a child or um, a sibling could be really tough. And uh, I think our guest is certainly going to be able to speak to this today because uh, Christine Bavaro uh, lost her husband, and having him not there as she walked in the door, I was thinking of that. That's that's got to be, you know, one of the big adjustments coming home to that empty house. Well, um, I was just saying we were talking to Christine before the show started, and she's written a wonderful book called Moving Through Loss, where uh, she talks about the loss of her sister in 2001, and basically about her husband Wally, who died in 2002. And she's going to help us today, help us to look at the journey of getting through that loss. And I know Heidi, you're always interested in having a sibling come on and talk about that, aren't you? Well, well, I am, and I look at at Christine's, you know, journey, and I think, okay, here. She's lost her sister in 2001, and then her husband dies in 2002. Now, I know my sisters are my best friends, and if my husband died, it would be my sisters that I would lean on for support. And I cannot imagine losing a sister and then a year later losing your spouse. Two such integral and key people in your life within a year. I mean, I'm just, just, it must be just devastating, and I'm so glad that Christine is going to be on today to tell us how does one find hope again after two such significant losses within a year. Yeah, and one, so I'm excited yeah, one other point I wanted to make, Heidi, because you and I are both therapists, and I was a therapist when Scott died, and uh, Christine's been a therapist for many years. We were talking about before the show about both being members of the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy and how kind of wild and crazy and fun it was in those early days. But there's an issue, too, about being a therapist, because I think that you end up 
um, trying to find help, uh, judging groups. Uh, you know, sometimes you're a lot more competent than the people that are trying to help you. Or, you know, you've been through, I wouldn't say competent, but you've been through life journeys that a lot, maybe you get a younger therapist or something hasn't been through those journeys. So I do want to get into that, too, and talk a little bit about about how people find groups and do those kind of things. So, Christine, we want to welcome you to the show today. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. This is such a treat for me. Well, we're delighted to have you on. Uh, uh, I know you've got a lot of good information to give our audience. Can you talk a little bit about your losses and um, about your thoughts? Oh, sure. They, I, it's sometimes hard to know where to start, but when, when you were referring to my sister, um, when my sister passed away, it was, I thought they, you know, I just felt lost. It was just a strange, mm-hmm. strange existence not to have her in the world. And, um, and how did she die? My, she, my sister had a, um, a kidney failure. Mm-hmm. And it was quite, even though she was sick, it was unexpected. She was up and around. So, and I hadn't seen her for six months prior to that because mm-hmm. she lived in Florida. And I was, and, and I was in, you know, I'm in Massachusetts. So we would And, see and excuse me, but what is her name? My sister was Nan. Nan. N-A-N. Nan. Yeah. Okay. I always like to get and, those names out there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, and I was away, actually. I was in Thailand when she died. Uh, so I wasn't even there with her, um, but I have this wonderful picture in my mind of the life I saw her. So whenever I get sad, it, I really that comes to me, and she's smiling and she's happy. But it still makes me cry, probably even more than my husband. You know, it's very it's a very sad loss. Um, mm-hmm. One of the interesting things, however, and Heidi, you'd be interested in this, is that what as an older sibling, I think what, mm-hmm. and maybe, uh, maybe it happens with younger sibs, but I was, um, I was surprised that I really came to grips with my own mortality with, with her. Mm-hmm. It was as if I was, uh, oh my goodness, you know, my parents had passed away in, in 89, and so she was my only sister, my only sibling, and, and then suddenly she was gone. It was like, where's my family? And my husband was alive and fine back then. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was just a strange, uh, a strange uh, reaction to her loss. I actually agree with you, Christine, because my brother was three years younger than me. And, uh-huh. you know, inside of me, I didn't realize it till he died, but the bottom line was I expected that he would be on the earth longer than me. So it was very strange to have him die. And, and I did take a look at my own mortality and think, oh, my gosh, if my 17-year-old brother can die suddenly, then why wouldn't I be able to die suddenly? I'm 20. Exactly. You know, people die at all ages. Yes, it definitely brought my own life into question very much. Yeah. And yeah. I think it was because I was his older sibling. Yeah, so. and, and that was one of the bigger difference, the main difference, I think, between my the loss of my sister and then followed by the loss of my husband. Because mm-hmm. when my... My husband, the loss of him was my, my whole life changed. You know, my, I changed from my sister's loss because it was me who had, who had the ties, you know, from, from childhood. Right. But I had my family. I had my husband and my children. And so I mm-hmm. had a life going aside from hers. But when my husband passed away, my life stopped. Mm. That's what, that's what was so, um, amazing to me you know i'm a therapist i deal with this all the time uh with people Mm -hmm. and it was shocking to me that i could feel so bereft 
and for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And, and how did Wally die? He he had a brain. Um, he had well, actually, he had lung cancer, but it was discovered as a brain tumor. Uh, we were on vacation, mm-hmm. and we were. Um, he was. We would started. He had just retired, and this is the second year of retirement. And we had made a plan that. He would go to Florida and be and stay down there for the winter, and I would commute, and we'd have this romantic mm-hmm. kind of life, <laughs> you know, with me coming back to work for two weeks and flying down to Florida and having this fabulous time and then flying back home. So we had these plans of uh, for uh, for our retirement until I decided to 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 retire myself, which I probably never will. <laughs> but uh, in any event. Uh, he, I had just come back, um, about two days. I was back home, and uh, he called, in, and he said, I think I'm going to go to the doctor's. I said, what's the matter? He said, I don't know. He said, I'm, my, my just, I just want to check it out, and my mouth feels a little funny. And I said, well, you look all right, sound okay. And we had so not expecting it. My son lived down there at the time, and my son had called him for breakfast, and, and he they were going to go for breakfast. He said, well, I have to go to the hospital first. So my son went with him, and, um, and they took some, you know, some tests, and he, they were, he was planning, you know, that was it. He was calling. He was going to breakfast, and they came back with a CAT scan that showed something, and they kept him, and then they diagnosed a brain tumor, which we were all shocked at. And, uh, and then he flew home. Uh, I mean, he was basically going to die that weekend. Um, and I'm here in, up in Massachusetts, uh, not knowing quite whether to, you know, get, get on the next plane and go down, or is he coming home? You know, what, what do you do? But in any event, what happened is they were able to, uh, they were able to uh, decrease the swelling of the brain tumor, and he got permission to fly back, which was, you know, against some doctor's orders. But someone knew that he needed to be here, and then he went straight to the hospital, and eight months later he passed away. Um, and uh, that was that. Wow. And, and, and so, it, go ahead. I was so it was a you know it was a surprise and not a surprise. It was a surprise that it, he actually had. Although, you know, we it was like a, a time bomb waiting to happen. He was a smoker, and you know, and and he had diabetes. So those kinds of things developed, you know, strange stuff. And and basically, um, uh, you know, I think it was his time. And uh, mm-hmm. and he. And it was just, and, and the, but the, the process, the whole process was so incredible for me that um, I didn't quite know what to do with it. Yeah, and how, how was it incredible for you? Because as a therapist, you kind of had it all together, right? Figured it out? Yes, yes. And, you know, when you, when you, you, you first of all, I'm a great crisis worker. So if there's a crisis, I'm like Johnny on the spot. You know, there's not. It's like an old fire drop coming out of, out of the out of the uh, firehouse. You hear the bell, crisis. Okay, you organize, and so you, you know, I organized, and I had everything in order, and we did what we had to do. And very business. It was very business like, and you know, he was still up and around, and not so bad. So it was half true and half false, and and. Uh, but then when the treatment started, it was, you know, really quite obvious that this was happening. But, you know, he did have a, he did have a, a, a brain operation, and uh, we thought that was going to, thought, we thought we had a good shot at that, but that didn't, uh, that, that closed. And when he had a um, body scan and they found that it had spread and then they identified the, 
the original uh, place, and it was lungs. And uh, so it was, I wrote. I think uh, I started to write. I tried to read. I couldn't. Um, and uh, and then I just prayed. Now, after he died, what what was the big surprise? I just into living alone. Do you remember anything specifically after for people who have had just had a loss? Yes, yes. I think number one. I think the 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 major the major shock to me was that the feeling was so deep. I you know you, when you're with other widows and you you haven't been one. You don't really get the fact that it's as deep as it is. It's like it's bottomless. It's absolute bottomless. Mm-hmm. And so that was a shock to me. And I, you know, I expected that in the first few months, I suppose. And then afterward, I thought it would be, you know, it would fill up and things would go back to relatively normal. Uh, but there is no normal. And, um, and the other piece was that there were things that I became afraid of that I would, that I would never, like coming home after dark was, very strange for me. Um, learning how to eat again uh, in terms of making meals, uh, and I still struggle with that today. Uh, and it's eight years later, you know, it's like, do I, I make the option, do I cook or do I buy, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and do I eat healthy or do I grab something, yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. So that's still an ongoing issue for me, but that's uh, part of my own makeup that doesn't really like to cook, so I think that's part of the problem. But, um, but the idea of not having someone who has your back and not having someone to confer with and the quietness, the biggest, the biggest uh, surprise to me was um, the night times. I was okay during the day, and, uh, but night, after 9 o'clock, you know, it was the, the house echoed, just echoed. Which I've got to tell you, Christine, when I work with the 9-11 widows and I work with a lot yeah. of them, that's their hardest time after, they even say after nine o'clock. That is their most difficult time. That's when they were kind of alone with their That's spouses. Right. If they had kids, they were in bed. You know, they kind of That's talked about their day or watched TV together. And that's a hard time. Gone. Wow. And I've called it my, the secret self. You know, there's a secret mm. self that you, that you, you keep things, you know, there's a private part of you, every one of us that has this place where we store our sorrows and we store our joys and uh and after a loss after this, this the loss of the spouse um and this is what other i run bereavement groups also for a vna hospice in my area and they're all saying basically the same thing it's like well after nine o'clock after ten o'clock at night is the hottest time it's when all of the memories from the illness mm. come floating back and it's so painful and so lonely mm-hmm. that um, it is—it's almost hard to believe that it could be that devastating. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. it gives a whole new meaning to the words that we use to describe uh, this process. So, writing was always very helpful. I mean, um, there was there were times when I would just keep my hands busy, you know, knit, and I'm not a knitter, but I knew how to purl, knit one, purl two, you know, that kind of thing. And I just did line after line, after row after row after row, and pulled it out when I was done. And did, I never made anything, but it kept my hands busy. Well, because we've done some shows on knitting. One was with Ann Hood, who wrote a book on knitting after loss. And yeah. I've heard they said that knitting is kind of it's a way to clear your mind, and it's almost a kind of yes. way to meditate. Yes, which I is. never knew. 
Absolutely. Well, for me, who am not, a, I'm not a knitter. I had to watch every 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 um, stitch. You know, otherwise I would mm-hmm. lose it. So it focuses you beautifully. I would, I think, probably. You know, puzzles may do the same thing. I'm not sure, but it's just the idea of keeping your mind focused on something else that quiets down those those thoughts that are so unbearable and and, and make it difficult to sleep. One now, of the we, other. Oh. So that was that was that was my nightly ritual. Yeah, I was going to ask you what other things do you recommend for folks out there? They're saying yes, yes, that's me. That's exactly what's happening to me. I mean, I don't know how the internet is. I know, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, people have said they've gone to sleep listening to our shows. <laughs> I don't know if that's yes, positive yes. or negative, but I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, it's very positive. It's it's very positive. I'm sure because it, it gives you a sense of connectedness and belonging. Uh, which is what you don't have when, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, when this happens to you, it's like who you, the person that you were connected to is no longer there, and it's in spirit. But you know, at that time, especially in the early days of of, of grief, you know, you really want the physical presence, and that's what you're grieving is the physical presence. Uh, and then after time passes, then you can adjust to the spiritual connection that you have with with your lost loved one, you know, and it, it doesn't feel so bad. But um, in the very beginning, probably for the first couple of years. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said it's that. It's a, a couple physical of years. connectedness. And, mm. Christine, you're making a good point. So the first, because sometimes when we talk about continuing bonds, people say, you know what, that's all well and good that we integrate people into our lives in new and different ways, but I physically mm-hmm. want to hold yeah that person Absolutely. again. I physically want them in my life. And right now, Absolutely. that's not comforting. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're saying One after a the... few years, you can kind of move into that place, but initially, yes, it's but a bit it's more not, difficult. I don't think in the beginning. In the, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't, it, it's not, it, has not, it was not my experience, let's put it this way. It was not right. my experience in the first year or two, <clears throat> that mm-hmm. uh, even three, that, uh, these, that I was able to really find comfort in the, um, the in the spiritual connection of my lost love. So don't, mm-hmm. yeah. So don't force it. it expect the, those kind of things. Yeah. In the in the beginning, I really wanted I wanted to hold that hand. Right. I right. wanted to feel that body. You now, know. Now, what are some recommendations you've got for folks out there that are feeling that your way? You're running the group. I'm newly bereaved. Give me some help. Yeah. The, I'll tell you, uh, right, what happened for me was that I did, I did writing, I did, I did a journal, which turned into the book, actually. And, uh, but I also did, uh, flower essences. And I don't know if your, your, your listeners know about flower essences, but they should. Flower essences are remarkable self-help ways of, of, of easing your, your pain. You can get them at any health food store. You can, uh, Bach essences are well known throughout the world in so many other, uh, companies who have, have discovered, uh, essences and made essences also. They're a, uh, they're, uh, they're, uh, an energetic, uh, product. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like a, like an herb, you know? Um, you know how you take herbs for some, for, for ailments of sorts? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, they, they have the same, they have the same kind of um, the same kind of, of help is available from uh, they they have a 
away. They're gentle. They have no side. They have no side effects. So you smell them. Is that what you're saying? No, you take them. Oh, you actually take them. Okay. You actually take them. A doctor, Doctor Edward Bach of England, who was a a medical doctor, bacteriologist, uh, first brought them into for attention in 1928. So they've been around when our modern medicines were not. You know, um, Hmm. it's. It's, uh, he discovered a link between stress, emotions, and illnesses long before contemporary physicians began addressing the issue. And it, it's a mind, it works on a mind-body uh, biopsychological you know, uh, uh, basis so that it helps with, um, with your, um, the emotional dis- dis- detachment that you have. They, uh, they're are vibrational property of the of the remedy resonates with your energy field and it creates an opportunity to balance and restore the, your well-being. Um, now we're very, gonna, we it, can read about those in your book, right? Yes, uh, flower essences uh, and, and, um, and you can go to your health food store and you can pick up a, a pamphlet and they sell them. Um, they're, they're, okay, they're but the, let's talk about your book for a minute because aren't they in oh, there? Okay. Yes, they are in there. That uh, There's an explanation of flower essences, and there's an explanation of inner journeys, which is using the imagination for helpful healing, which, uh, which uh, also, is, also gets to those places internally. Where you, want, you want to heal internally. That's the whole point of, I, I think, what I've discovered, is that the whole point of all the relaxation and all of the healing property, all the healing things that we do, have to be internal. You know, the, the bubble bath is not enough. The, mm-hmm. the walk in the park is not enough. It's, it's good external relaxation, and that's true. But internally, your biorhythms are off. Your whole your autonomic nervous system is in a fight-or-flight stance, and, and you are like a deer in a headlight. Absolutely, it's a tough time. Well, let me say that people should go to your site, movingthroughloss.com, and you'll be able to find her book there, more information. She does uh, the reading room for legacy.com. We're hoping she's going to be writing for us soon, and uh, they can get your book um, uh, through Amazon or whatever, right? And you also have a wonderful meditation tape, and you've got a little um, teaser on your site with that meditation tape so they can hear how wonderful you are at, at doing yes, that meditation. Yes, that meditation tape grew from the bereavement groups that I ran doing this same process. So it's a three-pronged pro- complementary uh, process of, of care, model of care, and people have used it successfully, and, they're, and they're own, they're, they, they are their own healers. And it's really useful for when you don't have your hospice worker around Great. or well, if you don't want to go to therapy. Right. Well, Christine, thank, thank you so much for being oh, on the show welcome. today. It's been great, and people need to get your book, Moving Through Loss, and you can get it on Amazon, and you can, as I said, go to her Moving Barnes Through and Loss. Barnes & and iUniverse, and you can get it through my site. Yep, and go to her site and see what she's up to. She's a busy lady. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and you are an inspiration, and I know you'll help a lot of people. Oh, thank you for having me, and I hope it, I hope people uh, find what I have to offer helpful. It's a tough time, thank- and uh, you take care. Thanks. Thanks so much, Christine, and thank you so much for letting our audience know that despite multiple loss, there is hope again in your life. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You take care. Thank you. you Many too. blessings. 
You've been listening to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Glory, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi. Remember, we post a new show at 9 o'clock every Thursday, Pacific Standard Time, and at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Listen in next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.